I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragon Heart. Well, welcome to Dragon Heart. It's an old school Dragon Heart. It's just me and Mark today. How are you, mate, after that amazing win on Sunday? I am very, very happy after that amazing win on Sunday. I mean, it's a shame that after Bill, you know, he looked a bit too much like a good host and so you've had him removed. I think that's a little bit worrying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the performance on Sunday was magnificent. And although I think a lot of people are quite down after Torquay, didn't take anything off stock, but I, but I don't think that changes an enormous amount. It's still going to go down to the wire on Sunday, I think. I 100% agree, and I've got my own opinions on it as well. It's not as doom and gloom as most people probably think. So Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not waste any more time, Mark. This is Dragonheart. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Stockport, 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 Stockport. <laughs> a word I don't want to say after after this week. Um, I want it to over, be over and done with. I'm sick of talking about that team in blue who are in Greater Manchester. Um, yeah, the, it was... Us playing them last Sunday was a magnificent showcase of what both clubs, I think, have the potential of, I think. Looking at it as a neutral, hearing the noise from both sets of fans, let's just separate our allegiances aside, Mark. I think what an occasion, what an atmosphere. That should have been a League One playoff, not sh- it shouldn't have been a National League playoff. I think in a couple of years it may well be. I really do. I've said this before. I think there is a, a natural rivalry developing between two local teams who have both made serious investments and I think have both accumulated League One quality teams in the National League. And, you know, I mean, I think it would be appropriate if us to go up because we've really, you know, I think been the best two teams by a distance in the league. I think we're better than them, but, you know, they've, they've been utterly outstanding too. And it was fantastic and really whetted the appetite for getting big crowds into the race course in the Football League when we make it. To, to have a proper away support as well as that terrific Wrexham home support. It was, yeah, it was a brilliant occasion. And I've got to say something about the pre-match music because you were sitting next to me in the press box and about 20 minutes to go before kickoff, something like that, you rightly complained why are they blasting music out when the atmosphere was so good. And to be fair, soon afterwards, they did knock it off, didn't they? Yeah. Somebody else must have been thinking the same thing because... The atmosphere was so crackling at the start of, but before the match, all you had to do was let the fans make the atmosphere. Never mind sticking generic music on it. Was it was fantastic, wasn't it? Oh, exactly. And I think with big games like that, you know, when we're playing like Kings Lynn, you know, in fact, the Kings Lynn game this year was really good because it had all the Welsh music. But what, do you know when we're playing, you know, lower teams where there's not a great deal of atmosphere? I don't mind the music being on to an extent, but when you've got two huge teams who are creating a lot of noise, when the stands when the stands are pretty much nearly full and the loud singers of both sets of fans are are, are in their seats, turn the music off. It oh. was crackling, and I just felt it was a shame when it was like black IPs in the background and you couldn't really get properly into it. I thought it was a crying shame, but. 
it did get turned off, and the but the atmosphere by both sets of fans, again, hats off to everyone on the stand. It was a real, real special occasion. But first, I want to go back to this before the game, walking to the, to the ground, and my thoughts going into the game. Because to be honest with you, Mark, it was a game I really enjoyed because I really wasn't worried about it. I don't usually I get quite emotional and it gets to the point where I'm feeling sick and feeling ne- that nervous. But for some reason I thought, you know what? If we lose, they win the league. They're a good side. If we draw, they win the league. They're a good side. And if we win, fantastic. It's still game on. And I just wanted to see the two best teams in the league play each other. And yeah, it, I, I, I felt like I really enjoyed the occasion for like the first time I've ever watched a big game. I thought, wow. Yeah, this is a real satisfying game of football to watch. Well, I, I often feel sick and nervous before Wrexham games, but that's because I'm about to meet you. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I could I, you, you, you put the ball on the spot. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's. I also felt confident and excited before the match, and if I'm honest, because I didn't feel nervous because I really had confidence. That, Confidence in us being able to beat them. I know that they had their chances in the FA Trophy semi-final. I know that you know there was no mill going into added time, but we still got those goals and we deserved to win that game. And it hadn't been for Hinchcliffe, you'd made about three excellent saves. We'd have won it comfortably before Mullen scored his goals. Well, uh, since then, our form hasn't dropped off, and theirs has. And so I felt quite confident that we was we would win the match, and which is why the first twenty minutes, I'll be honest with you, did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable because the first twenty minutes, to be fair to Stockport, I thought they played very well, and we took a while to work them out. The great thing is we did work them out. Yeah, and for me, when I was watching, I was thinking the first goal is going to be absolutely vital here. And if we can weather this storm, they missed some sitters, in all fairness. Madden should have scored that sitter by the six-yard box. You know, they, 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 they were completely dominators and we looked completely shaken and nervous at the back. In all fairness, we had, with all the biggest respects, the French and Clue with the two young lads playing in a huge game. You know, it's going to take them a little bit of time. to, And, you know, Toes had a few shaky moments too in that first 20 minutes. It's going to take our back three a bit of time to get used to it. But... They adapted and within 20 minutes. We didn't concede any goals. And I thought, you know what? The first goal is going to be vital here. And thank God it came to us. And you could see Stockport getting frustrated, couldn't you? And they were getting annoyed. Like, I'm not sure, was the Madden incident on Clueworth before the first goal or after before. the first goal? Yeah. yeah. Before, exactly. I, I thought it was. Um, I thought at that moment, mm, they've lost their heads here. They've had their chances. They've not taken them and they think they think they can bully a player like Kluwer because he's young and inexperienced. And that was just complete frustration by Madden, wasn't it? Yeah, I think there was uh, there was a lot to unpack in that first half hour, I thought. The um I did think as well, I mean I, I, it it played into the fact that that's what's happened to them lately. And when we've seen them on TV when things haven't gone well for them, you know, that they've they've suddenly and I hate to say I told you so, but I I, I remember us talking about this and saying this at, at the time, just like with Boreham Woods, 
I think us beating Stockport just made them face up to their own mortality. After that wonderful run, they suddenly realised, oh, things can go wrong. And it seems to me that in recent games, when things have gone wrong, they have maybe, I don't want to say panicked, I think that's too strong a word, but it has knocked them off kilter, whereas previously they were confident. And yeah, first 20 minutes, they should have been ahead. It's funny, actually, when I edited the highlights afterwards, they didn't actually, I didn't think, have as many clear-cut chances as it felt. You know, At the time, I was like, oh, gosh, they're really cutting into us here. But like that Madden chance, and the one he had in the second half when he just slammed it way over, I thought, well, the only really clear-cut... Well, and, and Quigley going one-on-one with Dibble, and Dibble handled that so well that the danger yeah. felt like it had gone away very quickly. But, um, yeah, th- th- I, it just felt that even before our goal... After about 25 minutes, we started to get on top of them. We started to move it around. And also, when I was worrying about it in commentary, Neil Williams was commentating with us, and, and he said quite rightly, but they can't keep this pace up. They were really throwing themselves into pressing us, and, and it was a very well-organised press, which I think I've referred to before, where they were blocking off the passing channels, and it was good, and you could see players at the back for us suddenly thinking, we like that passing arc that we work on all the time. And we can't do it because they've seen it and they've blocked it off. But we were patient and we kept doing what we do. And although we had a couple of close squeaks where Toza was right to continue doing what we do, but his passes were under hit, uh, the fact of the matter is that ultimately they did slow down a little bit. And once we started to get out from the back, we never looked back. And, and I think you're right. Things like Madden, kind of clobber, Clueth uh, is an example of of them starting to lose it a little bit. And the timing of that is that I thought Clues did ever so well in that incident anyway, because I thought Madden was definitely going to get there. Clues gets across him, wins the throw, doesn't do anything to Madden. Madden reacts like that for no reason. And the throw-in comes in and is cleared for another throw. And that's where we start to put the pressure on that will lead ultimately to the first goal. But yeah. It was it was it was a bit of a turning point, wasn't it? I think showing them getting ratty and and rattled. And after the match, Dave Chandler, their manager, of course, um, basically called Scott Quigley out over it, saying that he knew that he should have been there dealing with that sort of thing, and he wasn't. And it was quite strange we may get to post match interview by him, which he did dig out some of his players by name. And so yeah, that, I mean, on the bench, clearly they were seeing that as a sign of them falling apart a bit. And and while well, we scored the goal. In, in the Grand Wrexham 2022 banner, didn't we? We we sort of did, didn't we? And it was it was just like it, no, this is just what it is with Wrexham. If it, if it's nil nil, we've got a to, we've got a tozer, and we've usually got a big bloke who's good at heading. So if you can see the throw in in a in a good place, he's going to throw it, and it's going to hit either Palmer or Hayden's head, and it's going to be a goal. We've got that really strange, unique, and I love it. I used to love it back in the day when Rory Delap used to do it for Stoke. I love this sort of cannon throw that that Tozer does. And it's just such a nice little wild card to play, isn't it? And it, it was the, the, the goal come at just the perfect time, didn't it, Mark? And it... it the place didn't half get rocking after that. The, the the BT mic sort of cut out. It was that loud. Yeah, I I, I had a woolly hearing in my right ear for a, about a day afterwards because my headphones are mono, and I, I just 
that headphone where the crowd was coming in. I think that's as loud as I've heard the race goes, to be honest. It was incredible. I, I, I Again, another thing that Challoner called his players out over was the defending of that throwing, um, which I guess is appropriate or ironic, depending on how you look at it, because goes Challoner is the other one who, when he was playing, was famous for having the, the massive long throwing. But I just loved the way... I, I felt that since Hayden got injured, we weren't looking dangerous on the throws until... Well, as Parkinson said afterwards, we changed things around a little bit and got Palmer underneath it, and I just loved it. I mean, Challoner was criticising the, the the way they defended it. Well, as far as I can see, that's down to Hogan, who was dropped for the Wednesday game, um, because he's man-marking Palmer, he's tight on him, and when the ball comes in, he grab he doesn't really attempt to get off the ground, he just grabs all the Palmer's shirts and tries to stop him getting off the ground. And as we all know, he made no impact on it whatsoever. He still had hold of him when he's good. And he's just standing there holding on to this bloke who's so strong that he can muscle off one of the strongest centre-backs of the, the lower divisions, jump up and head it in, and the bloke's just standing there looking at him. Oh, it's just it's humiliation for, for Hogan, a player whose strength is his main weapon. But Palmer bullied him. And the, the, the scenes were amazing. And I knew at yeah. that point, I think we're going to win this now because you could see the Stockport body language change, couldn't you? Yeah. And then we really started getting on top of the game. And then, is it the first, the second minute of um, added time, first half? Jordan Davis put a Premier League quality through ball to Paul Mullin. And then when it's Mullin one-on-one, he's usually going to hit the target. 2-0. And at that point, I think it was game over, really. And I think, I don't want to call Quigley out, but, well, I suppose his old manager did a bit after the game, but Quigley had a very similar chance, and he run down the right channel, and Dibble does the same as Hinchcliffe does. Dibble gets comes out, gets his angle right, and then he invites Quigley to make a decision. He's saying to you, I've got my angles right, so if you're going to shoot from the edge of the box, you're going to have to nail it into the corner. Otherwise, I've got it covered. So what do you want to do? And he tries to go around him, and Dibble deals with it brilliantly. Then he got Mullen. Um, the only real difference, I would argue, is that Mullen's got longer to run onto it, so longer to think about all the different things he could do and how he could foul it up. That's often what happens, isn't it? They get too long to think about it. These strikers, when they're one-on-one, and they, they make a mess of it. And Hinchcliffe does the same thing. He gets his angles right. He says to Mullen, go ahead, mate. You're going to need a cracking finish. You're going to have to hit the bottom corner to beat me. So Mullen just hit the bottom corner. <laughs> I mean, it was, just, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And I don't Hinchcliffe believe in this whole... playing against Mullen. Hinchcliffe must play, hate playing against Mullen, yeah. even though he did do a world-class save from an overhead kick oh, earlier. Oh, was brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Was that, that save... You know, the, the overhead kick was amazing, but that save was incredible, wasn't it, in all fairness to it? Because Hinchcliffe's come back to make the punch. And okay, yeah. he's not got very far on it. Although, to be fair, he's got big blokes in front of him. But, yeah, to get back across and still get his hand up, that's a fantastic save, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it, he must be sick of it. To him, he's a high-quality goalkeeper, yeah. isn't he? Probably the best I've seen in the league this season. I mean, I mean, if it was, if they'd had a normal goalkeeper in, they, they would have lost both the games against us much more heavily. Yeah. In both games, he made some fabulous saves. I don't say that lightly, you know, not just decent saves, really top-notch. That There's not many goalkeepers would make that save from Mullen, for example. But he must be sick of Mullen. 
because he scored in all three games against him now. And yeah. even though I didn't realise, I didn't even think until I was doing the old Wrexham Anorak thing, that even though this the Wrexham Stockport game goes back to the 19th century, this is a proper long rivalry, way before we're either of us in a football league. But Mullen is equal third top scorer against Stockport after one season. Wow. <laughs> so I hope we have a rivalry carry on so we can they can go top, even though the person who is top is my childhood hero, Jim Steele. But still, go on, Mullen. <laughs> Get a few Do it. But then, yeah, c- coming into the the second half, you know, half-time, I remember on the half-time talk, as of you and Andy, and I, I kept on saying, oh, we've won it, we've won it, we've won it. And it's not like me to be like that. I kept on trying to stop myself, like, oh, no, oh, no, we need to carry on as, as we as we are, sort of thing. Yeah, if, if it stays like this. But in my head, we won it, and then another goal by um, Palmer to start off the second half, and then... That was all she wrote, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was the Angela Lansbury moment. Uh, oh, that's murder she wrote. Mind you, it was pretty much murder what we did to them for the last 70 minutes, wasn't it? Um, I, 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 sometimes the footage doesn't quite get across, I think, exactly how things happened. And sitting on the opposite side, right behind that Jordan Davis free kick, he got a much better idea of the, the, the action he put on that ball. That was a hell of a delivery. He really ripped it in and it was dipping in and nasty. And to be honest, I couldn't quite make out who got the touch in the six-yard box. But what I could see from the way it was coming in was it was likely somebody was going to get a, a touch on it and there was very little Akibo could do about it. It was a hell of a delivery, wasn't it? And again, Palmer with a little perfect flick on. And, and I, I, I personally don't subscribe to this idea of, you know, straight at half time or whatever is is a perfect time to score myself I, I don't think it makes that much difference and I don't think the statistics uh, disagree with me but I have to admit getting a goal in the third minute of added time and then a goal 90 seconds into the second half that killed that game stone dead I mean it, it, that was over then wasn't it Stockport was stunned um, the game reflected more how the balance of the two teams I think to be fair and from then on well, we could have scored more, I think, in all honesty, but we certainly were never in danger of letting it slip. And the, the one thing I didn't think I'd hear <laughs> that day was, we want four, we want four from the fans <laughs> behind us. Yeah. Uh, it just shows how incredible this team has blossomed into from the start of the season, doesn't it, Matt? Oh, look at the goals we scored against strong teams. Four and Woods, four and three. Halifax was four. Yeah, four, wasn't it? Stockport, you stuck three past them, and a two. Uh, you know, we, we, Solihull Moors are the only strong team, really, who've put up a great deal of resistance against us, except at the start of the season when we hadn't quite got things going. Um, it was, yeah, we just, as as we all know, we've got goals coming from, from everywhere. We've got three players who've got 15 league goals now. We've got two players who scored 20 goals for us this season. And if you add up, his Wimbledon goals as well as his Wrexham goals. Ollie Palmer's got 24 goals. That's, you know, we we are dangerous. And I, I just love looking back at previous seasons. Before last season with Luke Young, <laughs> we we didn't, we had a couple of seasons where nobody got more than six goals. Yeah. And then here we are now, thank goodness, quite the opposite. 
You know, we had a season where Akeel Wright and Sean Pearson were equal top scorers. Wow. And now we've got, I mean, let's be fair, let's take those three out of the equation. James Jones has got more goals than they did. Aaron Hayden has got more goals than they did. It's not bad, is it? How about Riesel? How many Johnson yeah. scored this season? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and yeah. Luke, uh, and he's yeah. missed a chunk of the season. And Luke Young yeah. is saving himself for when he's needed. You know, it, we've got goals everywhere in the pitch, every position, you know. Even Clueworth scored an absolute storm against Gloucester in the trophy. Mm. He's got it in him. Uh, Aaron Hayden, as you said, has got goals. Ben Tozer um, attributes loads of goals from all of his assists. You know, we've got three fantastic centre midfielders who, who can score goals. I'm sure when Tom, Con- Tom O'Connor's settled, I'm sure he'll be able to score goals from, from what I've seen when he's at Burton. We, we've, we've got such an excellent team and the only thing that makes me really sad about this side is I think we should have won the league. Uh, it's such a shame that we didn't blossom that a little bit earlier because I, I truly believe after watching the Stockport game, and this is very positive for me, I, I believe we're the best team in the league on you know, right now, but we haven't been throughout the season. I think that's what hampered us a little bit is we, we, didn't blo- we haven't blossomed. We blossomed a little bit just a little bit too late. Yeah, and, and you know what I'll say to that as well. Obviously, um, it's the it's the transfer window thing, isn't it? We couldn't get yeah. the business done in the summer, which is no fault of anyone, and so we, we had to wait. And once we got the team together, yeah, it's just been outstanding. I, yeah, it's it's a, it's a quality side, isn't it? And I'm thinking, you're saying about goals. Let me throw in a name which might surprise you because he hasn't actually scored for us. McFadden gets in some superb positions when he goes yeah. forwards and cuts inside. Now, okay, he's not scored yet, and you might argue he needs to start scoring, but he does get into those great positions, and he hit the bar, you know, flicked the bar at Boreham Wood. Um, so, he, you know, he's clearly got the capability to chip in too, but uh, yeah, oh, it's great to see a team that, that has goals from all over because it's a while since we have seen something like that. I'm Luke Young and this is Dragonheart. Following from that, we are now going to go into a title-ometer. This is going to be the final title-ometer of the season, Mark. Oh, This is... Uh, all right. For... I think, oh, this is difficult for me because, to be honest with you, having said all along we win the league, the maths is not on our favour here. It's not in our hands. And my logical titleometer is three out of ten, I think, because Stockport have to blow it. Having said that, they may well do. So, are we still better on goal difference? Yes. And for us to. For us to win this, um, goal difference is our friend. There's only well, there's only one combination now, isn't there, that can that can allow us to to win the title. We win, they lose, um, and that will put us on level. And obviously, that will make our goal difference better than it is now, and there's worse, and it's already better anyway. So, so yeah, basically, we, we, all we can do is come level with them. 
Um, and there's a little bit of me thinks Halifax are a strong team who will have definitely something to play for because they're not third and they need a win because that third place is a massive advantage when it comes to the playoffs. And so I've, I, my horrible feeling, and the only thing I think that could really make me feel down about Sunday is that I've got a little sneaking feeling that Stockport will lose, but we may not win because Dagenham's not going to be easy either and they've got someone to play for. I just, I just, I just want to see us do our, best, our job and I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if it does fall our way. Was that? Do you want to hear my opinion? I do. I think Stockport are going to sit, sit sit around, they're going to sit back, they're going to go for a draw, and I think it's going to hamper them because Halifax have a lot to play for. The pressure's going to be too much for them. We're going to win. At Dagenham, we're going to win the league on Sunday. Oh, Jay! Jay! <laughs> We've converted you! We're going to have our Sergio Aguero moment. <laughs> I do like that idea. McFadden! <laughs> oh, you're right. Conta Charlie! Yes. <laughs> it's just, just going to be fans on the pitch. Well, hopefully not, not legally. There's going to be um, limbs everywhere. Honestly, I've not been positive at all. It's probably going to bite me. and the People are going to clip this off. But I just have this feeling. I, I listened to the talkie Stockport game yesterday. Bearing in mind, Stockport did dominate them. Torquay are, are an okay side, but they had 10 men and they still hit the bar at the last minute of the game. Uh, I think Halifax are a side of a lot higher quality who have got... Uh, we they, They're going to be in the playoffs, aren't they? But they need to win to get third, which is huge. Dolly Hull are a good side. They need to get that third position. They're going to be playing with not... It's not it's pressure, but it's not too much pressure because they're going to be in the playoffs anyway. Stockport have to win or draw. They're going to sit back and play for a draw, and Halifax are going to beat them one nil, and we're going to win. <laughs> oh, mate, come on, make it up, make it so. I, 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 I don't want to be too over. Well, I am being very positive, but. I, <laughs> I still don't. I didn't find Stockport's win yesterday very convincing. Yes, yeah. they battered them, but they only got one goal against a side who are sitting mid table, who have been looking great at times but poor at others. Mm. I, I think. I think they can lose this game. Oh, I do. I, I, think, there's, yeah. I think there's a big possibility of that. Yeah. I think the most challenging part is that we win convincingly. Well, we only have to win. We don't have to win by any margin. Like I said, our goal difference is already better. And if they lose and they win, it'll just be an even bigger gap. But it's just but we can win. <laughs> and I do think that's tough. Dagenham about a decent side. They're in very good form. So, uh, oh, No, I 100% agree. Um, they are a good side. And they spoiled, they, they spoiled our day last season, didn't they, last game of the season? You know, I'm not taking Dagenham for granted again. However, this is a very different side. I think I'm, I'm very confident that this team can win. And yeah, say if we do win and Stockport win or draw, it's not the end of, end of the world. We're going into the playoffs in yeah. fine football. Absolutely. And that's the most important part. And I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't fancy any team to come to us and beat us. And the only side that I would, I'm really worried about come the playoffs is Solihull because they are a side in excellent form who are, you know, when we played them home and away this season, have been a really tough test. So... Even if we don't win and go up on Sunday, 
I'm very confident the depth we have in this side and the quality we have all around the pitch, we can go up via the playoffs. Absolutely. I agree. I, I was going to briefly say as well, I mean, it, it's it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. And obviously we know that Dragon Chat is, is terrific and there's some there's some great stuff from Steve Lloyd on the club website as well and videos by him talking about uh, mental health and how to look after you, yourself. And I've been thinking about that in relation to the fact that it's a well-timed week because people were getting stressed over the uh, the title race. Yeah. And, you know, you, you see people getting wound up on social media, of course. And I, I just think, yeah, this is a good chance, maybe, for us to point out how we should look after our mental health when, when we're getting stressed about footy. It is only a game. I know people get angry when I say that, but it is. It's not real life. It's a game. And also that I think we need to, as Wrexham fans, we're in a wonderful situation here to keep a bit of perspective and stay calm. There's no need to get overly panicky about Sunday because firstly, it's not in our hands. So we don't have that pressure to perform. Secondly, as you rightly say, if we don't do it on Sunday, we get another chance, a home game, and then if we win that, a neutral game. And we are the best team in the division, so we should stay calm about that. And, and I've said this before, and I always say, I hate saying it, but it's true. I, I desperately want us to go up this year. But even if we don't, next season, we'll have three or four more top-level players, like we've been buying throughout the season, and we'll keep this squad. And even though it'll be a crying shame not to get up at the first attempt, next season would be huge fun because we'll just be setting loads of records and beating people week in, week out. And although I don't want that to happen, you know, in terms of mental health and, and trying to stay calm and keep things in perspective, the truth is, this time next year, we'll be in a much better place than we are now. And if we're not in, in the football league, we well, we we probably will be because we've been guaranteed promotion. So we need to stay calm, be happy and enjoy, be mindful of what a fantastic moment in history it is to be a Wrexham fan. Yeah, I'd have to completely echo that, Mark. And there won't be a Stockport next season and there won't be another side who beat us in the semi or the final if we don't go up. You know what I mean? So it will be without two less really good sides. So, yeah, I, I 100% echo. And the, the mental health awareness, you bang on right, Mark. It, I think football's, this generation, is it's become a lot more stressful than it's ever been because you're constantly on your Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you've getting, you're getting football content 24-7 if you want it. And, you, you know, there's fans winding each other up on Twitter. If it's bothering you, if it's, make, if it's getting to the point where football is bothering you rather than in, if it's bothering your life rather than making your life better yeah. uninstall Twitter stop looking at football things I'm Jake Hyde and this is Dragonheart so I guess it's ended up being kind of a disappointing uh, week for us since the, the game against Stockport it was a fantastic result uh, after that, I was quite uh, impressed with the performance, the way the, we handled the, the occasion. And I just said the title armature was about a seven, just just because we had to rely on their results. I've got no 
got no doubt that we'll do the business on Sunday. Um, but then it's been knocked down to about five because of the way uh, Turkey ended up. Uh, nobody able to provide the goods for us. We've got to rely on Stockport losing and we've got to win. There's no two ways about it now. We know the permutations. We can only go and do the job that we need to do. But I just think it's a big ask, isn't it? But come on, the town. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, if you've been paying attention to anything, Rackham, the Daily Post, Rackham AFC, anything on Twitter, I'm sure you've heard about the levelling up funding that we're applying for through the government. Mark, would you like to give a quick rundown on what, what it is to people who don't know? Well, absolutely. There's a... Basically... Wrexham County Borough Council applied for funding um, and were unsuccessful in the first instance, which was a bit of a surprise because basically it's a gateway to Wrexham uh, funding. That's a big one. Gateway to Wrexham uh, project, which is basically going to do a lot of work, giving a facelift to the area around the racecourse. And I think it was felt that we've got a very, very strong case uh, to be to be approved. So we've reapplied, and it's absolutely crucial that it's given a go ahead. The government will make a decision in the summer. I mean, the fact that the campaign is called Stadium for the North tells you something. Obviously. This, this funding will bring a great deal of benefit to the town. It massively, it, it'll transform the entrance in to the town from the mole direction. But also, it'll it'll <clears throat> it'll be necessary for us to make sure we get that five and a half thousand seater stand at the cop end. It'll be necessary to make sure that we get international football back at the racecourse. And so, <clears throat> because of that. We we need to to make sure it gets through, and so everyone needs to sign the petition, which is being spread around. It's change.org forward slash Stadium North, and we need to get behind it massively. There'll be all sorts of improvements uh, to the area. There's going to be a 400 space multi-story car park built as well. Um, there'll be groundworks put in for a convention center and for a hotel. It's private money as well as public. It's not we're not asking public funding for all of it, but it, it, it's something which is going to be massively important for a town which has not been getting the funding it deserves, and also for a club that deserves a bit of a break. Let's be honest. And so, yeah, I really would urge everybody, for the good of the club, for the good of the local community, sign that petition and show the government that we really, really are serious as a town about this. Well, Mark, I 100% echo everything you said there, 100% agree. However, I'm going to play Devil's Advocate or another podcast I really like to listen to. They say Devil's Avocado. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of fans, opposing fans of different clubs on Twitter, on your social media saying, well, why you've got two really rich owners here. Why are you asking the government for this money? Why are the taxpayers footing the bill? Mm. What, what would you say back to them? 
I would say I understand the question and I respect the need to have a fair answer to it, but I do think there's a fair answer to it. Firstly, um, Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds obviously are very generous owners, but what's making things work for the, our football club isn't them throwing money at us, it's them having very well thought through tactics and ideas of how they're going to grow the club. And the reason I am excited by their ownership when in the past I've not been excited by the idea of people pumping money into a football club is because the problem with people just throwing money into a football club is it could go pop, especially if the people who are putting the money in go away for some unexpected reason, like Robo Mbanovich, who according to the price of football, was writing a cheque for £30 million every month to underwrite the wages because they were spending more money at Chelsea than they were bringing in on, on wages alone. Wow. Ultimately, that means that in the end, you go out of business unless you can find another billionaire to buy it, which Chelsea, fortunately for them, have done. Now, McElhenney and Reynolds, as I said, have been very generous but they're not running the club on the basis of they're a cash cow and we can milk them. Instead, what they're doing is, yes, they are, they are making investments and they're boosting us up and things like bringing in players that, you know, that are high quality, yeah, they're helping with that. Yes, they're putting money into infrastructure. But what they're also very notably doing is they're using their connections and their celebrity to bring in funding. And so that, so that the more, how shall I put this, the more mundane deals are worth more. So think of ways the club's now making more money outside of any money coming in from the owners. We have a front of shirt sponsor who obviously is giving us a lot more than Evo Williams could. Evo Williams are brilliant sponsors and still are, but clearly TikTok are going to pay a lot more for the publicity. We've got Expedia on the back of our shirts, for heaven's sake. You know, major international brands. Your Expedia sponsor Liverpool and Wrexham. <laughs> TikTok just sponsor Wrexham. These are major deals. So our sponsorship deals are built up better. Our commercial wing is able to make more money out of the fact that we are a hot ticket. And we're a hot ticket. We sell out now. So we're getting terrific crowds coming in. Uh, compared to what we would normally be getting or what we would otherwise. So there's a lot of revenue being raised by our success and the success of our owners rather than the owners throwing the money in. And part of that is that we are entitled to make the same sort of funding bids that other football clubs do and other football clubs would. Like I said, there will be private money coming into this as well and, and the owners will be putting their hands in their pockets and in doing that, they will be fulfilling that desire they stated to help the local community. They will be putting money in to a project which partly will be funding facilities for the town, not for the football club. So they absolutely, it, they're not just taking a handout. I totally understand why my fans of the club say that. Totally get it. But they're not just taking a handout. Um, they're doing what all of the clubs are able to do. And, and to be fair, look around at Wealthy clubs, they still take advantage of funding schemes. Um, look at, for example, the yeah. 
um, oh my god, the furlough scheme. Now I know there was a big stink about that because Liverpool applied for it, and they pulled out when they realised it was a bad luck. But that that's that's an American hedge fund. <laughs> invest, maybe I shouldn't say hedge fund, investment fund. But you know, the government's attitude was, why are people being critical of them? Because it's there for big companies. Lots of big companies in Britain took advantage of the furlough scheme. A wealthy, uh, Man United, if they do bulldoze Old Trafford or if they refurbish it, Arsenal, who are going to refurbish their grounds, they're not just going to pay for it themselves. There's no way they would do that. There, there are football trust grants available, all sorts of different grants available. You go for it. That's how you run a business. You take advantage of the opportunities you have and then you put your hand in your pocket for the rest. So, I, I, yeah, I, I do understand, but we're doing what every other football club would do. So there's nothing wrong with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And, you know, a lot of the fans who've been complaining have been fans of similar clubs, uh, you know, of a similar level uh, as us. The one thing we have over them is that we can hold international football games yeah. uh, and rugby games. Mm. Uh, you know, these clubs can't because England aren't going to play at Chesterfield or Stockport, are they? No, no. That, that's the fact, isn't it? And it, it's really important for our own country in Wales. You know, and I, 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 from what I've heard, I think the Welsh government seems to be backing it. Is you know, it's really important that we get international sport back up in up a ball game in in, in Wrexham for uh, you'll probably know the date. I, I can't think. Well, it's never been in my lifetime. It has, but I'm going to I'm going to ignore that because it's a better argument if you say it wasn't. Um, <laughs> when, when was it? Who and Mark Jones playing and Chris Llewellyn against New Zealand? That's, that's Liechtenstein. That's not a competitive game, is it? Oh, competitive game. Yeah. Mm, maybe if you're running. Right. Yeah, we played Liechtenstein in a friendly. We played Canada in a friendly. We played Trinidad and Tobago in a friendly, and we played Norway in a friendly. When I yeah. as I've been alive. But they were their friendlies. They're not anything that is worth noting. Yeah, fair enough. I, 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 I didn't catch that. I beg your pardon. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, and it is important to have an international team with a, a an adequate choice of stadium. And also, you know, this campaign is called Stadium for the North. The, the North does not get the funding and facilities the South does. This is an important thing for a local community. And for a sort of semi-national community, if you like, it, it's it's important in a, a lot of areas. Should we should we hear what Mickey Thomas and Malcolm Allen had to say? Do you think? Let's do it from the heart of your community. This is Calon FM. Well, hello, I'm Chris Wakeadas. Um, welcome to the Racecourse Ground. We're here today to launch a campaign. And in English, it's a bilingual campaign, and uh, just to give you a brief introduction. Um, I'm Scott Fernand, my Kenorixon and Camilla Case, I'm Arian Codir Gwastad, and when that's blocky, a Kairas, a cop, and a Benning that blocky, a Stevlin, and within a cop, and when Codi Savon Fema, he was in Statue, 
To help us, I can only die about it. Famous, you, I don't, don't need to introduction, but here they are Malcolm Allen and Mickey Thomas, who have played on this hollow turf and are going to tell us what it means to them. Um, I don't know about famous, thank you very much. Um, I'm one part of the MM, um, I'm just a fan and I've got real good experience. I'm going to talk to you about in a little while on why I'm really, really keen and supportive of uh, this new scheme that's hopefully going to happen to the cop there. Um, but Mickey's a legend. I'm just more of a fan uh, of Brexit Football Club, of course. So I started off my career here at 10 years of age. My, well, my mum started when she was not even born, she was born in Den, Can, Bunnit, abroad. Uh, I'm not going to actually do this in Welsh and English. I'm only going to do it in English. Whoever wants Welsh, I'll do it afterwards. Proud and I shall come right to be back as the show. Sanbury that road in Coitpoint there. My mum was born on a farm. Uh, my granddad was born on the farm opposite. Um, and then he went off to the war. My nan then took my mum to Dane Yolin, where I was brought up years, years after. So I've got real, real closeness to race course here, where I was 10 years of age, standing in the cock. My granddad brought me to a first professional football match at the race course. At that time, they were in the championship, the second division, uh, like it was then. Um, and it was just a great day, and it was a part of the jigsaw in my head that I could live a dream. Um, and I don't want any of them youngsters not to have that dream here in North Wales. Not just on the football front, but maybe on the sporting front. If this is going to be a sporting arena for North Wales, it can only be an advantage to all of us. Um, so everybody who can support and vote, please get on board. There is, you know, there is no, um, I think with everything that's happening with Wrexham at the moment anyway, it's just, you know, get on board so we can get this cop turned into a five and a half thousand seat stadium. Then the criteria, yeah, we know the Cardiff City Stadium is all about the football games and the history, recent history we've had down there. But what about the history that's forever been in at the race course. So we need to get some of that back. Maybe even the friendly games for now. It's not a problem. Just get the international games back up here. And also 
the option of offering other sports here in North Wales with having, you know, a 5,500 all-seater, well, mostly all well, it will be an all-seater stadium then, so it would be great to see. Um, and that's why I've got to say, because of the emotions that really holds. 16,000. There will be 16,000 in the end, but that's only 5,500. Unless you've got another plan. No, I'm talking about the lesson. All of it, you know, and this place bouncing like you've seen it this season. Can you imagine? You can only be looking on the coming and what Pimnila Hanar or Sandy Eric, the Henry, or Kevin Ockwin, or Kupas were in. Hey, come on. I say, my Ali Bernie going out. I in this school, I said, Pope Stadium Stadium for the North. At Stadium North. At Stadium North. I knew I'd get that bit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mick, on Twitter, you know. On Twitter, yeah. Yeah, obviously, what Malcolm just showed there you know, about the history of this uh, football club, uh, it's got a great history. Uh, I I didn't get any from you. <laughs> I know that. Uh, but um, you 
know it's just a special place. And I hold it close to my heart for more than one reason. And it's not just for us, it's about you and a group of people as well. It's your input that you can make what we're saying today that give it. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragon Heart. Go. Great to hear from Mickey and everyone else. Yeah, so important to get the cop back. We want to see Jordan Davis score a debut goal for Wales at the race course. That and and Paul Mullin, why not? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we, we, we want to see these Wrexham players score in their or even just represent their countries. In at the race course, it'd be absolutely special. And mm-hmm. um, Mark, just a quick one your favorite cop memory? My favorite cop memory? Oh, it sounds like it's an Uncle Griff's bedtime story moment. <laughs> Uncle Griff's bedtime stories. I just realised that um, Uncle Griff's bedtime story, if you, if you have the acronym, at the end of it is BS. Anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I'm going to avoid the whole Mark Hughes volley against Spain, although, you know, obviously. And I think I'm going to go for... I nearly broke my arm on the cop once. And I'm going to tell you the story for the simple reason that it, it, I hope it'll cause a small amount of embarrassment for our colleague Andy Parkinson. Um, <laughs> I, when I was at university, I'd go and watch, you know, so if I, if I couldn't go to a Wrexham game, I'd go on the cop, watch Liverpool. And it was a, it was a really good sort of introduction into this, the art of jungle warfare. Because if you <laughs> didn't look after yourself, you got thrown around like a shark flipping a seal up in the air. And there were certain key tactics that you had to establish. So you had to, when the crowd surged forwards, you had to jump on their backs. And they didn't mind because they knew you had to. 
and people behind you would jump on your back and you didn't mind because you knew they had to. And that's how you could see the game. And then when the ball went back at the other ends, he'd all sort of surge backwards again. Um, there were a number of skills like that. I tried other sneaky tactics, like uh, standing in front of the advertise of the crush barriers rather than behind them, which could work quite well because nobody can let you and push you around. Um, and there was a huge local Arsenal game. There were the two teams at the top of the table at the time. And Andy came across to stay with me for the weekend and we went and watched the match in the good old days where you could queue on the ground and finally get in. And it was a hell of a game. And there's a famous goal in it where Steve McManaman chases the ball when it's going out, gets there just as it's crossing the line at full pelt, stamps his foot down on the ball, makes it stop on the line, and he can't stop himself. He careers into the crowd, bounces back, and Arsenal player's about to arrive. He nutmegs him, running back onto the pitch, rips in across. And I think it's Ian Rush scores, if I remember correctly. And when that happened, it was brilliant because I, I, I tried to give Andy the quick tuition on how to survive in these uh, cop situations. But when that happened, I mean, the whole crowd went nuts, the surging and everything. And um, I couldn't see him. Where's he, where's he gone? And I turned around and I saw in the, you know, it's like the shore, the, the tide coming out and in again. The crowd had all surged forward. We were right at the back of the cop. And I turned around and I could see in the empty steps of the back of the cop where everyone had surged forwards from, he was sitting with his back to the pitch, <laughs> looking bewildered because he had just been flipped up in the air and dropped down again. Um, I had to tell him what happened. But then <laughs> I, I, I felt the fact that if you weren't used to being in a big crowd on a standing terrace, you didn't have those skills came back to bite me on the Wrexham cop because I was standing, Wrexham playing Czech Republic as a qualifier for something or other. We drew one all, rush scored. And I was stupidly standing to the side of a crush barrier. And when rush scored at the cop end, people just went nuts, but in a less regulated way than they would, they would do on the local cop. And some people surged forwards. And because I was standing next to the crash barrier, my arm got trapped on one side Ooh. and pinned against the crash barrier. And my body was pulled away from it further down the cop. And I could feel my elbow hyperextending and going in the wrong direction. And I was thinking, oh, this isn't a good situation. <laughs> this, um, I, I, I managed through a combination of being a slippery bloke uh, and also super strength to just about wrestle my arm out before bones went snap. So that's my uh, my greatest memory of, on the cop. I've got to be honest, is I nearly lost an arm. I've just remembered a better memory though. Is that a different bedtime story? It probably is. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Griff's bedtime stories. We'll have to do a cop memory thing. Mine's not like. I would say it's my best. I'd probably say either Boston oh, or yeah. you know, Chester for the first time when I, ever, when I went as a kid. I'm thinking, oh, wow, this isn't a game I've ever been to before. Mm. But I'd say one of my favourite ones, it's it's a bit of a strange one, really, because I can't really pinpoint the game, the exact game as it was. But it was just, I remember it being bitterly freeze, and I'm pretty sure mm. we were playing Scumthorpe uh, the season after we went down from the LDV van. So I've got the... Yeah. The year, the year, the year, and uh, I remember being absolutely bitterly cold, 
and just then sharing a hot chocolate with my mum. It was just me and my mum who went, and Mark Jones scored a last minute. Either yeah, I think he scored like a last minute goal, and there was barely anyone there because it was that cold. I'm sure it was snowing. So yeah, I think I remember. I just remember that the glimpses of that game. Uh, yeah, so that that sort of memory of me. My mum and about a few, even just a thousand, not even a thousand people on the, or even a couple hundred people on the car and celebrating in the bit of cold. Yeah, it's little memories like that that I miss of the oh, cop, really. I like that. That's nice, isn't it? The, the personal touch is brilliant. And there was much less violence in your story than mine, and yet mine is the one that gets marketed as a bedtime story. There's nothing well, there was violence, like, from what I can remember, is Mark Jones scored an absolute scream, eh, like he always used to do. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I remember that game because it was just, I just remember being so cold and wearing yeah. a, about a billion layers. I must have looked like the Michelin man walking into the game, <laughs> having that hot chocolate, holding on to the hot chocolate. It would be alive. I was using it for to keep me warm rather than actually drinking it. Yeah. But I just remember coming away from that game, either winning it. <laughs> And we were pretty bog standard at that time, thinking, yeah, that was brilliant. That was, that's always a memory that'll stick with me. Uh, yeah, and how special that cop is. And it's, the ground has not been the same since uh, since it's gone, really. So it, it's so, so important. So as this roundup now, we need to, everyone who's listening to this podcast, anyone who's a Rexham fan, please, please sign that petition. Mm. It, it's vitally important that we get our cop back. It's vitally important that we get international football. So the young youth generation, the young younguns, you know, the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds can go watch whales in their background garden and don't have to travel ridiculous miles on a Tuesday night to watch us play Azerbaijan uh, like I did when I was about eight years old and getting home at three in the morning. Kids shouldn't have to do that. They should be able to watch yeah. us locally and I, I truly believe that mark absolutely but yeah Amen to um, that. please everyone listen to or follow everything follow all the social media platforms hopefully this is the last game on commentary on sunday please oh, no rex and player yeah. Uh, yeah thank you very much i've really enjoyed this one mark brilliant stuff chairs always fantastic and i'll 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 store up that other story, but it does involve the Wolverhampton goalkeeper's trousers. I will say that. We will we will do that next episode. Anyway, <laughs> this has been Dragonheart. I'm Dan Jarvis, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs>